Throwing a party is like being in a car and like knowing you're going to be in a really bad car crash, but not knowing what to do about it, but just like having to watch yourself slowly approach the point of total impact. Yeah. Until you're just like, well, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> yeah. Like not sleeping. Yeah. And like doing anything. So do you, so you, do you should just fall asleep at the wheel. Yeah. 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 Right. You know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just give up. Yeah. Exactly. Surrender. Surrender. Um, That's music for you. Yeah. Yes. My um, uh, my big question right now is in regards to the tracks we picked for the you know for discussion. Yeah. And the the, the track that I picked was uh fits right in. It's a really terrible track that I really love. Uh, yeah. But, but it's it's very much an outlier from what everyone else has kind of selected. So well, I mean, that, it's base camp beta style. You know, we do whatever we want. Yeah, I feel like I'm usually the guy that picks the really terrible track. That's the total outlier from everyone <laughs> else. So you, you, no, it's your turn. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> what well, I mean, like, like I, I I really like the kind of uh, vision that the other tracks kind of uh, sketch out, and I, I could probably think of something quick to add in there. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's funny. I just listened to the Ottaker tapes this weekend, and like we listened today, and I'm kind of, I like can't even deal with how good they are. Yeah, same. Great. It's ridiculous. I yeah. haven't, I haven't listened. So <laughs> good. So you know, yeah. cool. Have, I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll have shit to say regardless. Yes. Yeah. Ottaker definitely is a music project. Yes. Should let's, we all pronounce it differently? <laughs> let's let's introduce you, are, the are podcast. You, I'll, say, I'll say it. Oh, Are you are you Ottaker? Otech. I'm Otaker. I mean, that's <laughs> the obvious way to say it. No, it's, it's Otecker. <laughs> Otecker. Otecker is how I pronounce it, too. Otecker is how every every normal person says it. I, I'm with you, Chris, though. I, I like. Didn't you say that you had like a French girlfriend who pronounced it Otech or something? <laughs> no. Hot as shit. <laughs> that, would <laughs> not, that would not so, work I for me. I think someone did on that FOM. That was on Fear of Music. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get that. All right, Chris. Introduce this podcast. Let's get this going. Let's Why do I have to introduce you? Introduce it. You, no, you're... Uh, fine. All right. Fight, 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 <laughs> fight, fight. <laughs> you're listening to Basecamp Beta. This is your host, Chris Zaldua, also known as yeah. DJ CZ. <laughs> also known as the other Chris. Also known as the other Chris. Yes, also known as the other Chris. Third time's a charm. I'm Sean O'Sullivan, also known as... Sean, I'm the real Chris. The real Chris. The real Chris. That's real. Yep. And uh, we're Chris here with a special guest. Chris Classic, yeah. Classic Chris? <laughs> classic. You know, this. <laughs> <laughs> Just we're, standard, standard issue, you know? Uh, right, right, right. Original uh, flavor. Original Chris. Who Classic Chris is is a matter of perspective. That's true. It's true. Yeah, we're here with our special guest, Nihar Bot. Hi. Yo. Also known as Nihar. Right. Also known as Nihar. Uh, the riffs just keep coming right now. Yeah, we're on let's fire. Let's keep. Let's keep it up. <laughs> this, is, this is good. <laughs> this is great. Or it's called podcasting. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is how podcasting works. It's the premier premier medium of the uh, the twenty first century. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nihar, let's see. How can I introduce you? You've been a fixture in the San Francisco music community for over well over a decade now. Well, a little over a decade. A little over a decade. All right. 
Full disclosure, Nihar and I are friends and run a record label together and run a party that is somewhat not so much functional anymore. I met Nihar. Here's a great story. Here's a beautiful story. Here's a heartwarming story. I met Nihar, what year was that, 2008? It's probably eight years ago or something. No, no, it was longer than that. It was longer than that. Yeah, okay, yeah, 2008. Because it was like 2008, like 2009. No, yeah, 2009. 2009. This was right when I moved back to the Bay Area from, uh, from school. And I was living in Berkeley, and my friend John and I went to a club that I think John knew about. I think John knew about Warm Leatherette, a nightclub called Warm Leatherette. Club night, I should say, called Warm Leatherette, which took place at a now defunct bar on Polk Street. Something like that. Called Coco's? Coco's Cocktails. Coco's Cocktails. Right. Right. And so John and I were wearing black at the time, as we do, as you do when you go to the club to find your, your people. And we stumble into this club, and there's like, there's a bunch of dudes playing pool, I remember. And then off in the corner, there were like eight people wearing black, mm-hmm. one of whom was Nihar. Mm-hmm. And we hung out with these people wearing black, listening to cool records. And it was mainly like wave and post-punk, right? Yep. That yep. was the primary focus. The vibe. As, and then I remember- the would suggest. Yeah. <laughs> as, yep. as the name might indicate. Yeah, name was a, come come to my happy hardcore party, Warm tell. Leatherette. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, and then towards the end of the night, Nihar dropped IF's uh, Space Invaders, so our, our smoking grass. Banger. And at that point, I was like, damn, this guy is on my level. I'm on this guy's level. That was and a bit presumptuous like, of you. What's that? That was a bit presumptuous of you. Like, Why? Well, for him to be on yeah, your that level, was... that's cool. But <laughs> to assume that he's on your level, that you're on his level, you know, that's... <laughs> Thank you. Oh, okay. Come on. Right, okay. Okay, right. I was just, I'm asking a bit much of myself. That was, that was interesting because that venue was, that venue Coco Cocktails was like an eviction venue because basically... Oh, really? Like it was... Yeah. The thing, the story of that party, Warm Leather, is like, there was not really, there was like the established goth scene uh-huh. in San Francisco... That like or like an industrial scene. Like we have like industrial parties here that have gone back like twenty years, and like people, and we still have like a goth club that has like, like regular like cyber gothy, f- yeah, yes. like CBME, future just pop play. fetishy stuff. Future pop, more yes, that, that stuff. Music. And then there's it also always like, comes back to future pop, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah, it, and there's also like clubs playing the canon, you know, of like Sisters of Mercy or whatever, like every yeah. night, like yeah. every time they, they play similar things, you know. And then we were like, oh, well, there's this weird party happening in New York, and there's a bunch of stuff happening. There's this new like minimal wave label, and there's um, Dark Entries was just starting up, although we didn't know about Dark Entries when that party started. Um, they started like a li- like around like almost the same month, I think. Yeah. Josh started putting out Dark Entries records. So we were, there was definitely like a moment there, obviously, yeah. for stuff. And we were paying attention. So me and my collaborator, Jason Palastri, were like, let's start a thing. And we, we started in like an underground loft. It was like, um, you know, and it was popping. I mean, not huge, but it was like an underground scene. Yeah. And then we got evicted from there. And we got, um, and that we got basically in exile. We were like, we got to keep this going. And, so we had this bar that we're like, well, you could do it here. We're kind of like a pool bar. I think <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a very common story, you know. Mm. But we were like basically warm leather in exile from our like underground loft. Like we did like all night parties at this loft, and then we were like, okay, we're gonna do this like 
dive bar for a while. Right. As like, and then we got evicted from there because they got closed out. And then, and then we went to another place, submission. And then that place got evicted. I mean, it's just like right. Actually, I mean, that's we the story to, of San Francisco: is one yeah. space being evicted after another. Right. We had another place, Space Gallery. That place got evicted. So we just were evicted from like, like literally, the places got evicted, shut yeah. down, turned into into gentrification artifacts <laughs> right um you know and that was the story of that party getting chased around the world around the city until we could find a place to really solidify so maybe maybe um, you were bringing the curse with you true although i think the curse was all over oh yeah so <laughs> yeah still is. yeah this was a much larger curse than we could hope to yeah. uh, the curse was the friends we made along the way yeah yeah I mean, yeah. The joke is that all the people that went to the party were also getting evicted, which yes. had, had a... Yes. Hilarious. <laughs> like, Touche. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so that's how I, I met Nihar when he played IF at a at a cool alt-goth alt party. This was like... The, the, these were like higher tier, way higher tier goths than your usual. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, because like, yeah. I didn't even know... Paint a picture. Like, I didn't even know what post-punk was at that time. I thought post-punk meant Joy Division, which right. it does. But, like, that's all I knew. And then I went to these these Warm Leather at parties, and I was hearing, like, I still don't even know what the bands are. Like, you know. The normal, perhaps. Classics. The normal, perhaps, as a matter of fact. I don't know. Although, I don't know. I don't, I don't mm, think you guys which, played that. We did. Yeah. I mean, we played the, the titular track. The titular. And, like, yeah. other things. But, yeah, no. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I just I, I just discovered this entire world that I didn't even know existed, um, which is kind of like why I fuck with music. That's kind of the whole point. Um, yeah, and we became friends, launched a new party called Service Tension. Some people have heard of it. I never. It doesn't really it. happen anymore. No, <laughs> no, no. Chris has never heard of it. Don't remember. Sean has heard it. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I heard it's cool. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. It doesn't happen anymore. It, we it's we evicted it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's now a beautiful Chase ATM. Yeah, well, much of our audience did get evicted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's of. been the story of of the parties we've done is watching our crowds slowly dwindle away from. Yeah. So this is the eviction cool. party episode. Yeah, I mean that's one of the forces of like of the market that we've like confronted really intensely yeah. in our attempt to do a simple thing, which yeah. is have fun with good music to build a community, bring together good people, bring a build a community exactly. Yeah. But then when your community starts slipping away like fucking sand in an, in an, in the hourglass, right? Um, it's hard to keep it together. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is something we've obviously experienced a lot in New York as well, but I think if anywhere yeah. has experienced it worse than New York, it's probably <laughs> San Francisco. Yeah, I, I was, yeah. yeah San Francisco, uh, a city with all of New York's problems and somehow worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, sure. uh, that's kind of our, our, our distinction. So what, 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 what is the sort of next step after, after kind of a... Well, the step know, now is is the label that, that we've been running. We, we launched a record label called Left Hand Path in 2016, 2016. Yeah. And now we're, we've, we've basically swapped the, the uphill struggle of trying to throw a weird party for a diminishing group of weird people. We've swapped that struggle for the climbing up a fucking waterfall struggle of trying to put out <laughs> records in, uh, 
the worst environment you could possibly do. Good move. So, yeah. Uh, you found a way to make your life even harder. Ex yeah. that's, that's pretty much what we did. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Is we, yeah. Is we, we, uh, yeah. It's, so let's, it's, Let's talk about it's, the label. What's the, w w t tell us about the label. What is the label's perspective? What are, what are the label's goals? The label's perspective has always been kind of liminal sounds, like sounds in between, a little bit techno, a little bit industrial, a little bit totally its own thing. Yeah, I mean, if you look at our catalog, we have two primary categories of things. Like One right. is like, like uh, a, a pretty steady stream of really amazing industrial records yeah. or, or, or a couple really, I think it, important ones, including ones on the horizon. But, um, but the cube album that we started with, I think is like, it's, is one of my favorite. I mean, I obviously it's, am biased, but I love, I love that release. And every great. time everybody I play it for, you know, I think is, is pretty blown away by yeah. it. Um, he's just moved to Brooklyn, by the way, Brooklyn. you should, you yeah. should check him out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cube. Yeah. Cube. Cool. Awesome. And then um, who that organically grew out of like he was one of our favorite guests at, at Service Tension, and yeah. then we put out his debut record. Um, and then um, you know he was an Oakland artist back then. Um, and then you know the Forest record that we put out yep. last year, I think, is an incredible follow up. Yeah. And we have more things on the way. Yep. You know, in, in that regard, like that are sort of not dance floor records, but they they could be. Yeah. But they're definitely things that are part of like. You know, they create landscapes of industrial music that are forward thinking. They're not overly referential records. Right. They're not they're really not. Like I don't think that the, either of those records are particularly backward looking. Yeah, they sound as quite industrial records. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and then we have another um, the other side of the label are is a our dance floor records yeah. that we really love because we're both cuts. dance floor DJs and yeah. we can't not do that. So we have a, a series of twelve inches that I think I'm I'm really excited about too. Yeah. Um, left hand bangers. Exactly. Left hand bangers. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, Damn, that's, that's the good. basic idea. A lot of our <laughs> left hand pumpers. <laughs> left hand pumpers. Yeah. In a lot of ways, we represent the West Coast and especially the Bay Area for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, although not exclusively. Obviously, Forrest is you know from Taiwan and yeah. Uh, um, we, uh, but we, I think we represent definitely like a like a Bay Area perspective. Yeah, and I think that's that's been that's been part of the challenge for us is I feel like the Bay area as a region gets short shrift in the dance music world. Um, I think we are, and I think it's mainly a function of geographical isolation. Yeah. Like when you think about how techno functions in Europe, the whole ecosystem is made possible by the fact that, that these DJs can basically play two different countries on the same night if they right. want to. You know, yeah. you can fly from Berlin to London in what, two hours ish, yeah. uh, something like that. A, a sixty euro two hour flight. Yeah, right. Exactly. Any, anywhere in the right. continent, basically. So that so. that like geographic accessibility makes the electronic music scene in Europe work really well, and that also kind of pans over to like the Midwest and the East Coast of the U.S. where you have there's a New lot York. of things there's a lot of things about the, the the European techno economy that make it function though like you oh know, yeah I mean heavy, sure heavy, that's not heavy state one. subsidies and, uh, yeah. yeah right you know. I mean that's that's, yeah, that's a, not by far the only one but I think it's an important one and I think that yeah. kind of ecosystem maps over to the U.S. as far as the Midwest and the East Coast are concerned because the Midwest has this you know hugely rich dance music history and the East Coast has New York, which is one of the capitals of the world. 
Um, hey, so New York, I feel like baby. New York, baby. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've man, that was terrible. Um, yeah, I feel like it's just leave those. Down. <laughs> 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 just Though I mean, do them. It's funny. Um, I feel like San Francisco gets kind of cut out of the conversation a lot of the time because we're way the fuck over on the West Coast. It's expensive as hell to fly here. It's it's hard for DJs. It's like that's the main problem that I have with San Francisco as a well, I have many problems with San Francisco. But as far as a music town as as far as music in San Francisco goes, the fact that we are geographically isolated and that there isn't like a network of places where West Coast I mean West Coast West Coast DJs are able to play that has made it a real, real problem for us to. Well, yeah. I, the, the weird thing is, like, we're not that isolated. Like, we do, compared to, like, if you think of the many cities in the United States, like, San Francisco is definitely a hub. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a still weird a major, it's, a, it's still a major metropolitan area. Sure, exactly. sure. Like, but there is, like, a, a certain way in which, like, the it sorts itself out in weird ways, like what we actually end up getting. And the, I, the way I, we project internationally I will say, too is weird. Strange. I think. Like if you want to look at the the kind of uh, the rave histories of of LA and SF, um, they really ha- have been pretty um, pretty. I, I would say cut off from the dialogue that was happening. Yeah, right. In, kind of di- yeah, right. In, in in Europe certainly, but also the dialogue uh, of of you know kind of uh, New York, uh, Detroit, Berlin, Chicago, Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And exactly. I would agree with that. I think that's. Also, why historically, again, this is this is talking, you know, eighties, nineties, two thousands. Most of the Bay Area and LA dance music hasn't been that good. Well, I mean, yes, and well, well, yes. Actually, you're right. If you look at at like the nineties, Ohm records. Yeah, you're looking man. at you're looking at at, at trans progressive house, uh, yeah. uh, happy hardcore in LA. Yeah, you're looking you're, and, and and like proto burner stuff basically. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly, and just like really bad jazzy house made yeah. by upper upper forties guys wearing yeah. hats that but are really other, bad. But the other the other side of that, of Gotta course, get one is of something hats. that you all you all touched on this a couple of weeks ago in one of your episodes. But there is a whole other side of that from uh, being cut off, which is that there is this like kind of crazy like. Almost feral, yeah, like completely like, fucking like, weird um, shit, underground <laughs> thing, right? Like, yeah, like yeah. the the like, the the free techno type things, right? Like the yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Autonomous the catabatic crew, you know. Yeah. Like, I when I started going to parties in SF, like I f- fortunately happened upon the catabatic crew who were throwing like these crazy undergrounds with artists that like are not. Nobody has ever heard of because right. they only exist in their own they're world. They're not in the right, conversation, right, right. But, but they're, they're extremely talented. Yeah. I mean, like, I went to the Catabatic Campout in the last one that they did in 2016, and I felt like I was seeing live sets at the level of like an Orphix live set. Yep. But like, or like the top tier like techno live sets that you might see yep. or whatever. But like in a forest with like a few hundred people. That were like hidden in the woods and cloaks or something. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. Not everybody, but it was like a whole. <laughs> <laughs> like, but the, um, you know, it like, uh, and just the most incredible energy in like a small group of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the music was, the music and the sound systems were incredible because I yep. think people out here on the West Coast really like 
the like premium sound thing. The sound is, systems is out here deal. are crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, it always has been. It's like there's a sound system tradition yep. culture. Yeah, where, like crews have their own sound system. We do not have like, that in New York, at least. <laughs> yeah. in, you know, uh, in, yeah. in New York, New York, uh, like uh, basically prides itself on garbage sound. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's almost, no, a, like, it's almost a point of like, like indignation. Like, well, like, we've yeah. had. I mean, we have also like justifiably famous. Yeah. No. No. no yes. Of, yes. Of course. Yeah. There, 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 there is a different sound system culture here that <laughs> yeah, yeah, is, yeah. you know. Not, not to, not to, you know, exclude that from, uh, yeah, definitely from, from these histories, but yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, but yeah. It, it, certainly, my experience uh, of you know two thousands to now, uh, well, New yeah, York yeah. has been, uh, you know, like the sound sucks and fuck you. I'm not going to do anything about it, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like, right. like, why, why would I put good sound it's in punk here? Rock. The system's going to blow in two months anyway, right? I have to buy right. a whole new one, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I think, yeah. I think what Nihar is saying is absolutely right. And the fact that like the West Coast has had its own little parallel history of electronic music culture, of rave culture, has both made space for the fa- for all these fucking weird crews and people and artists who... Shit is definitely weirder out there for Shit sure. is definitely weirder yeah. out here. But at the same time, that's made it really hard to sort of break into the main... Well, the quote... Not mainstream, but the the accepted histories of electronic music and dance music don't really take into account what has been happening on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And that has really made it difficult for us to carve out space. Well, I it's think. also like we, we don't get like... Like it's hard for us to operate in like a market economy. Like it yeah. just like is. It's weird. It's like we're like some of the most amazing stuff has just happened on the fringes. Yeah. Here, and for random reasons, like Ratskin Records is a record label that's like an industrial record label. Here, they put out actually a pretty wide variety of sounds, um, and they have. I mean, the you know the the people that are involved in that label have events these days at this art gallery called Pro Arts in Oakland. Um, and it really just, it happens at the, because they have like a nonprofit being, like that's willing to give them- A nonprofit art space. A space, exactly, a yeah. nonprofit art space. This is like one of the few ways to survive in the modern um, period because in the like established club scene, you know, so first of all, the undergrounds have gone belly up, Yeah, you know, right. th- for that's, economic I mean, that, reasons. That's, that's, true, that's true everywhere. Exactly, so that used to be where groups like this did stuff and you know artists like cube like came up because the reason that's possible the reason why that incredible industrial album that's the first release on our label was possible is because he was able to cut his teeth in the underground venues right here and like playing live and like like having a space for like weirdos and having a show with like five people and then yeah yeah right that kind of like and that being okay to to have a show where you get where you get 15 people and they and they all pay what they can just yeah. the structural concerns that make that kind of thing possible. Yeah. So these days, like we have to, we have to have better. Like somebody has to save us. Yeah. From being having nowhere to play and yeah. like having nowhere to like. It's not like like record sales aren't going to save us. Like right. like uh, you know, there's not an underground to go to, and then the club scene just keeps on like becoming more. Like it has to be commercial to deliver the kind of like drink sales. I was yeah. going to say that something bar, that I think yeah. is uh, again talking about kind of the broader West Coast Northwest um, yeah. kind of rave culture is that I think one of the reasons that it has sort of developed its own kind of parallel history um, is because it has 
actually, again, due, due in part to, to, to space, there's a lot more space. This is, again, outside of, outside of SF. Um, but uh, there, there, there's, there's space there that they, these can be self-sustaining communities. In a yeah, way that, right. And in a way that's actually impossible yeah. in, uh, you know, in, in, yeah, on there's the a wilderness. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah. that's, that's yeah, so enabled. You, you, have, you have these sound system cultures. You have, uh, yeah, like right. this sort of free, free techno scene. Uh, as right. well and as also, the, sort of the as well as the the less appealing kind of burnery uh, EDME side. Right. I mean, that's kind of right. There's like there's a long history of like outdoor party culture here in the Bay Area. Yeah. Like um, Sunset Sound System, which was co-founded by Solar, Solar and Galen, uh, started in like 1992 on as an illegal party on the Berkeley Marina, and now they're celebrating their 25th year. And like Solar Crazy. plays all over the world, and like. That's that's like that's a uniquely West Coast thing. Is that kind of outdoor party culture? I, I, yeah, I don't yeah, think definitely. anybody else really has it the way that we do. But of course, that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does. It's just it has to be even more off the grid, you know? Right. Like, it, right. It either I mean, the mutant fest just happened. It either needs to be more off the grid or it needs to be official. Yeah. Like all of Sunset shit is now official. Right. Um, so there's exactly. not really room to like. It's just hard to start new things. Yeah, I mean that's definitely like the space is being su sucked out of what. It's not just the West; we're, t we're localizing it, but this is a dynamic everywhere. It's just that when you live here, you have a preview to like what the whole world exactly like or something, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like San Francisco, dystopian future. What I've already. always thought for years is that no. San Francisco is the canary in the coal mine of capitalism, like. We we are just at the forefront of the fuckedness that is going to come to everybody else. Oh, absolutely. But right. what the the hellscape that begins here in San Francisco will soon touch everybody else. Yeah, I you know it's like that portal I, in Prince of Darkness yeah. in the John Carpenter <laughs> movie. You know when they find Satan in the basement and it's this portal. That's yeah. Was that filmed? No, that was filmed in L.A. Yeah, were you going to say was it filmed in San Francisco? Yeah. It was filmed in yeah. LA. Well, I, you know, you and I have been talking a lot about here, but like, do you, from your perspective, like Sean and Chris, like you've been not only are from your perspective in the New York scene, but what you've seen wherever you've been, like, how do you feel like? I mean, do you feel like these same forces are at work in other places? Like, oh yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. they're 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 at work in I mean, they're they're at work in Berlin. They're at work in London. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, everywhere. Um, I mean, yeah. the the fight over space. Uh, and the sort of in every city, the spreading malaise and the like constant pushing out. I mean, that's everywhere. Yeah. Um, and so that affects everything from, yeah, like audience, like, you know, people to audience uh, makeup. Yeah. Yeah. To, uh, you know, the actual space where you can do any of this stuff. That's a worldwide phenomenon. Um, mm -hmm. That's not going away anytime soon. No, no, no. Um, what are people doing to counteract that? That you submitting yeah i mean in in new york like well like as you were sort of suggesting very much in new york um either people go f one step further off the radar or they have to just go fully legit and this yeah. is something that i think was really uh uh that that was you know kind of a, a motion that was in progress but but the the, the ghost ship fire is what was the nail in the coffin oh yeah the, um, yeah to 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 the the rest of the uh the kind of diy uh off the yep. off the grid party scene here um, yeah. was yep. the, the month after Ghost Ship. Uh, you know, most of my friends who did 
warehouse parties just stopped. They're like, yeah. we can't yeah. do it anymore. It's impossible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. E- either by either by you know the the venues themselves ceasing or or, or them just not wanting to be uh, liable right. uh, or you know. Uh, well, I mean, I I wasn't like it's so obvious here that that was the turning point. Yeah, but right. To hear, to hear it for you all that that was it the was, turning point. Yeah, that's pretty absolutely. crazy. It was it was pretty yeah. much night and day. Uh, and I, I've I've heard yeah. I've heard you know that was a similar. Uh, uh, there were similar responses in other cities as well. Yeah, kind of uh, immediate, immediate. Uh, uh, well, shift. It's interesting. Like one of the things that like I've been involved in recently, and Chris has been involved in this somewhat too, is like 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 the pro the pro arts thing I mentioned, where there's like a gallery that gives space. Like one of the few things that opened up space for us is like we do this. I I have regularly organized parties at this this nonprofit called Counterpulse, which is a dance studio. And it, it's like a, it's like an like an avant-garde dance studio. It's like the coolest dance studio you could possibly imagine yeah. in a way. Like it has like, like, like these incredible like queer like experimental dancers who who like do performances and do events. And they have partnered with with us to do these underground events. They're like all nighters, you know, like events that like San Francisco events generally don't go till six. This goes till six. Um, You know, we tend to to go either till two or till four, but these are like... Last time I played for Surface Tension, I had the delightful experience of having one of the barbacks take my drink from behind the DJ booth, my last half of of a drink. Oh, that's a 15 minutes before before last call. That's a classic San Francisco. Like, where's my drink? Oh, I needed one more drink. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, so we've been doing these events like at this nonprofit, which is like, it's weird because like they're like, we have like, we get premium sound because we have that sound system culture. Um, We, uh, you know, we have these crazy raves, you know, um, on, on this like, in this beautiful building that like the government helps to fund, you know, that like grants from like the city government help to fund. So there's like, Really clean, nice bathrooms. Which used like, to be a gay porn theater. I think sure. we should they, we should point that they out. We repurposed <laughs> the gay porn porn theater into this beautiful dance space, and then like the the floors are springy because they're dance studios. Yeah, and then all like a bunch of the dancers that like perform at the studio come to the rave and like do like make Sick. it so that you can play basically whatever you want. Yeah, and yeah. there's going to be a crazy dance floor where with people experimenting with a form of dance. Yeah, right. With, you know, in collaboration with you rather than as like an audience, but as that's like that's really fun. That's awesome, and th- that's like where I'm at. Like that's what I want things to be like. Totally, but yeah. like to do that, there need like that's because we have like because the people that run that studio and like lead that are are incredibly into the mission of having like a like a positive like rave culture or like right. techno culture that that like and they see the connection with the experimentation that they're doing as dancers. And that, like, I feel like, like, like the idea of like a city government, you know, being able to like provide space or fun space or like there being social space for like dance music, which doesn't have to be something that like is bar based, mm-hmm. as is like you know alcohol based. Right. Music. I mean, that's that's the that's the crux of it. Is like when you get down to it, when you look at the actual economics of the dance music industry of 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 uh, techno. It's a subsidiary of the alcohol industry. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like DJ fees are incumbent on how much alcohol you you can sell. <laughs> like if you if you command a high DJ fee, that's because you can bring lots of people into the club who will buy drinks for yeah. the venue. 
Um, and so figuring it like if there were a better way to decouple that, that would be revolutionary, I think. Yeah. I mean, that, like I still see that and I'm like, oh, like this has, if we had more spaces like this, this would open the door. But like, of course, you know, we can't do events there all the time. Like right. it's just like yeah. when they don't have a dance event, you know, a like, couple times a year. Yeah. It's a few times a year. Like that's just the way it is. But like, it gives me a glimpse of like, what would it be like to like, yeah. have like dance music and like DJing and, right. and, and, I do really love the artistic. intersection of experimental dance and experimental dance music. There are yeah, things that exactly. there's things that 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 you know commingle surprisingly rarely. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally yeah, that's true. Exactly. At least you know, at least in the last uh, whatever, in the last thirty plus years. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's and I mean, I think you know, if you look at a place like Berlin, uh, Berlin supports their dance music industry. Like there, there's like state support, isn't Uh-oh. there? I believe. Yeah, I mean, but Sean was just talking about that. Like, definitely, there's grants and and uh, and funding. Right, right. From- I like. I think if there were, if there were the political will, which is such a joke to say in America of 2019, but if we did organize things differently, we could have a different l- landscape. Absolutely. For Look, if you want to book a, a a a expensive artist, book a Swiss artist because their oh, embassy yeah. will pay you yes. to book somebody. Like the like we've been, I've been approached. I can't tell you how many times somebody's told me like, well, if you book a Swiss artist, we can get a grant from the Swiss embassy. Like that's, I mean, Damn. that's incredible. But that's yeah. like the way, like they support artists, including Luciano like, book is a Swiss techno DJ. Who? What? Like, Luciano. Luciano, there we He's go. Swiss. We can get some tech house, oh, yeah. state sponsored <laughs> tech house. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. just, just an idea. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So shit's fucked, but good, but bad. There's, I mean, I think there is a a, a um, like one of the things that can be successful are like our communities that sort of bubble up from the ground up and are organized around non. Um, not around subculture so much, or uh, around, uh, or it is kind of around subculture, but like, um, not around a specific music. Like our service center party we described was around a specific sound, but right. like, but like if like like a queer party or a um, or you know a party that like is organized around like 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 any particular like 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 queer POC stuff like i feel like there is there's a way in which like there's an audience there that is glued together that comes together in a um in a different kind of way it's like a different dynamic and a way to resist i think that's a shift we've seen happen in the last uh four or five years absolutely um that 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 kind of a um a a shared kind of sonic platform is not the 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 kind of unifying force of uh, subculture which is yeah. something that's yeah, yeah. very, very confusing for, you know, a uh, late 30s uh, white dude who's been involved with underground <laughs> music his whole life. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a shift that it seems a lot of people are kind of lamenting. Um, and, but I, I mean... Well, I think it it's, I like think a lot of it is a, a kind of, kind of like a course correction in reaction to the 
economics and the dynamics that has driven so much music culture, which is to say it is booked and controlled by men who are almost always white and straight. Um, so I get it as a, I, I definitely understand it as a, as a, as a corrective mechanism. I think the challenging thing is that it brings it's this, this sort of new dynamic brings with it, obviously its own in-group out-group dynamics. Right. And right. It, yeah. 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 I mean, it just, it's, it's kind of a, just a new paradigm, which can be yeah, tough I mean, on the one hand. So, and then on the other hand, it's like, you can go to a party and you're like, okay, well, but I hate trance, you know, like, <laughs> and now, you know, like I'm going to this party and like one night it's this and one night it's that. And, you know, like there's this community, but you also like, you know, I, I feel like we all do kind of have a, I mean, we all like very, uh, wide ranging music, but there is a sort of sense in which I think we all kind of do gravitate to, uh, each other because of a shared sort of sonic expression. And then, so what happens when the subculture that you're involved with is like, that's less of a thing. And then you start kind of not liking the music that's going on in that, you know, yeah. in that scene. It's, it's definitely, a, it's an interesting time for this kind of shift because I, you know, I think that they're like, what I see now are more like, you know, I see like, like queer people of color, like black queer artists, like ex like working in like industrial music, like other like subcultural ideas, into their into like a, like a a new musical language and a new um, expansion of musical culture. Like you know, I think like artists like Yves Timor are like an incredible cross section of a lot of different musical traditions like coming together uh, you know crews like club chai which who are like who i'm like affiliated with you know and like 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 and they do a lot of parties um in the bay area like they bring together a lot of different ideas and have a audience that is a lot different than what you might think and then they'll play like like you know a, a pretty broad range of things but included which includes like incredible amount of like acid house and rave tracks that you've yeah. been playing you know too you know but it has a it has a totally different context in like an extremely like like a group like a extremely like an extremely prickly like queer black or brown you know subculture which is forming and like having like has emerged in a, a totally new context context and i think is having a different effect like one of the things that I experience with that is that, um, you know, as somebody like who grew up in subculture all my life, like, but being like a brown punk or goth kid, yeah. industrial kid, all of that, like, it was always like, I feel I'm drawn to this music, but, you know, while I can affiliate with it, like, it'll never be about me, you know? Like, mm. it, it was just this, like, there was a certain amount of alienation I've always felt in my life yeah, right. toward, you know, um, being part of any number of subcultures, I think there was like a default, even though it's not stated, like there's a default, you know, Aesthetic, idea yeah. that these are like, this is white people music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, I mean, like, 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 like the white, the, the white man was, has been the central figure of certainly underground music. Uh, yeah. For, for a long time. Yeah. The exactly. white man is the central figure of, of, you know, of history written by white men. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah, like literally it, I mean, it's pretty intense when I look back on it and think about it. And it's it's not like I discount that music because, like, absolutely not. Like, 
you know, that music is foundational to me. I, I still like, you know, lay in my bed and listen to Coil or whatever, you know, like, like that's not the, the point of, of saying that, but to say, you know, what I see today, you know, when I hear artists, you know, when I, I go to like, you know, Oakland has like a black and brown punk fest, for instance, these days, it's like that never would have happened while I was young. Like I would yeah, just yeah. go out and see a bunch of like black and brown punk bands. Like, and it's just like, it changes the context. It changes my relationship to it. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, it, it's changed the energy too. Like when I look at like, you know, we could have a whole discussion on what industrial music is or isn't, but I think for me, it's it's a lot more about an approach and an, and an aesthetic and like a, uh, an understanding than it is necessarily a sound. And when I think of the way that like queer people and people of color have started working with what I would call industrial tropes or sounds, the shit that comes out of that collision is incredible. Like it's it just brought such new different energy to music that has historically basically been the province of white dudes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I guess one I'm, thing that I get frustrated about in uh, a lot of the um, conversation when this is brought up is like it, it, it then sort of collapses into this binary thing. Like your party either has to be about uh, and parties in general either have to be about some aspect oriented around some aspect of your identity or around some sort of sonic char- characteristic right and right. my why can't we just have both why can't you know like <laughs> yeah. why can we why have part why can we have one party that's an industrial Memes party are flashing right now yeah yeah there's like one party is an industrial party and another party that's oriented around you know being uh you know is more of like a queer party and like they both exist that's great you know yeah but i well, guess no, it's, i mean i guess i don't know the question is like space is and resources yeah, are so I finite. That, Can they both exist? It's a competition exist? of space for space, and like what actually like brings people together. And in some cases, like subculture is definitely not like a gluing force in the way it once was. I yeah. think for a, yeah. a well, lot of true. different reasons. Um, you know, and well, I, back, back, back. Yeah, back to what you were saying a little earlier, uh, yeah. and, and and in regards to that as well. Um, yeah. Just like how, like you know, we have seen this rise of uh, of platforms that, uh, you know, music based platforms that are centered more on identity than um, than uh, than you know, kind of uh, than than Sonics, and uh, yeah, th- obviously that is that that is driven because we don't really have the new Sonic forms. Um. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's 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 I feel like it's hard to say if we have the new Sonic for, I feel like there is evolution. There is like a lot of cross pollination that's happening. Um it's it's hard to say that we don't have new Sonic forms, but like I guess maybe I wanna like maybe you I, I would love to hear you like kind of explain further what you mean by we don't have new Sonic forms, but I think that it's um I think that there is experimentation cross pollination here, but there is definitely a weird dynamic where like surviving in this world means creating like a like it it has always been the case i think that an artist or a scene or like has to market itself and in in of over more than just their sonic form right like there's always like like whether that's like the idea of a subculture um like or tying that like a subculture to like fashion or whatever right. or like 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 creating like a like an like 
an identity around your personal story or like a marketing idea around a personal story about yeah. that has to do with who you are you know so like that's always been part of music now in the context of like social media you know digital media you know like the digitalization of of music and all of that i feel like that's all incredibly more accelerated because there's a lot more artists mm-hmm. it's a lot yeah. harder to stand out there's a lot media is a lot more decentralized so like creating like and becoming like an influencer in your own circle is something that you have to do so like a lot of this stuff becomes like amplified and it's it's not um and i feel like everyone's being squeezed like the reason why there are not places to play or like that people don't get more gigs or um or that there's you know i i actually honestly don't think there has to be the kind of scarcity that we experience because i think that like we could have more events like this could be a successful and vibrant um the scene or idea but but I mean, what do you mean? What do you mean? How? Like, what? What? What would that mechanism look like? How? 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 How change that? <laughs> I mean, I guess communist techno parties. I yeah, mean, I mean, you know. essentially. Well, like, I mean, like, like we talking, have all yeah. the resources. Uh-huh. You know, like no one has to want for anything. Yeah, but, like, well, that's what I was just saying. Like, like, kind of like the 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 parties I was talking about, the dance studio. It's like there are spaces all over where these things could happen. You know, but we are faced with the scarcity of like bars right. and you and know, there are hundreds venues. of thousands of homes that are empty and hundreds yeah. of thousands of homeless people in this exactly. country. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So it's just like I feel like this, like the like the idea. One of the things that was like kind of like I think people often I f- I hear it all the time. Like people feel like if you're like like if you're like a white cis dude, like you can't get a gig in 2019 because you're white sisters do love complaining about this. This is, yes, it's a very common thing. You know, it's like, you're not, you don't fit into like any of the identity groups that like, that are sought after in bookings or whatever. And I, I think there's two things in that. There's a few things in that. One thing is that most of the residents and like bookers are white cis dudes who are making up for the fact that their legacy crews are, like, I mean, I see this all the time, like our like all male crews or whatever. And I've been part of those crews too, you know, where it's just like, yeah, like you're going to have to book a certain, like if you don't want to have an all male lineup every time, like you're going to have to make up for that, you know, um, in one way or another in this day and age, because that's right. not like, socially acceptable anymore yeah. to have all male lineups, you know, it's like a, that's a real dynamic that I see all the time. So yeah, that's, that's part of like the transitional period that you were talking about Chris and like the course correction, but also um, I think that it's hard for everyone to, to like the the squeeze is something that's happening to everyone. Like there yeah, are yeah, less yeah. venues and there are more artists. Yeah. White cis male disposable. dudes can't get gigs, but neither can anyone else. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one except for a minority. No, the, 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 the issue is oversaturation. Like yeah, exactly. We're we're, I mean, we're, yeah. we're we're talking about a a relatively small global market here. Well, it's oversaturated. We're talking about underground dance music. Yeah, the issue yeah. is oversaturation, and at the same time, massive con- like contraption, yeah. and and huge resource, uh, you know, just uh, scarcity, you know, in terms of spaces and in terms of everything yeah. else. So, you, you, Nihar, you were kind of hinting earlier, uh, and you as well, Chris, that uh, you know, uh, one kind of recourse to this is is kind of essentially state subsidies, right? I mean, I would love, you know, that's a that's a pie in the sky idea because in the states that there's no there's, there's literally no, no possibility yeah. that will ever happen. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know, man. You could, yeah. I mean, if we get if we get uh, 
the Your Green girl. New Deal has is going to have a uh, Your girl Marianne. dance music dance music program. Dude, yeah. Marianne, where, Marianne would have a real good party. Just put it. Just put an egg over the club. Let's all visualize an egg <laughs> over the club, and, yeah. and 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 an egg of prosperity over the nightclub industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think there's a there's a real. I mean, like if we had the will and the organizational power to somehow figure out a method of support for musicians and for events that host musicians that isn't linked to alcohol sales that would that's an improvement literally change the fucking game <laughs> yeah. well I, I i like the more i think about this stuff because i when i think about the market for music i just see like increased stratification decline like i see like a small and you know like people have been talking about this more and more i feel like like about just thinking about the whole economic logic yeah. of, of music you know has meant that like a very like it doesn't make like if you're marketing it makes us to just focus on a very small group of artists that can just play all the they're the ones who will bring everybody to the to the dance floor or whatever bring everybody to the club to buy buy drinks and everybody else is kind of disposable yeah you yeah. know and it's yeah. like like and that i don't see the economic like the system like kind of turning away from that anytime soon. I feel no, like I don't either. But I mean those tendencies are just increasing. But, but 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 that's that logic is driven by the people that go to these events because like you've you've seen it a hundred times over where we've talked to someone and we've arranged a lineup of like heady ass, cool ass shit. And you talk to the random Joe on the dance floor and they're like, I don't care what any of this is. I'm here to see Ben Clock <laughs> or right, whoever, right, right. you know. Yeah. Like it's just He's getting that's pummeled just... on the podcast recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But it's isn't every that... every episode mandatory Ben Clock? <laughs> <laughs> ben Clock gets clocked every episode. You know. Um, we, but it's like in the, in the we, I think we have dissed him on yeah. about fifty percent of the episodes. <laughs> yeah. This is a fine um, stand in for Ben Clark's uh, fine. I don't know. Fine. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's fine. He's fine. He's a just strong man. He just but gets it's paid also more fun. than we do. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's good. It, I mean, it's fine. This, it I mean, does I, not. But, it's our brand. It's is, our brand. Yeah. Like a lot of this logic is driven by the people that go out and what they yeah. want to see. But what, like, like, part of that, I think, is that like we have pressure to market, but we're not. But there's no like expanding audience. Like, yes. there's like a that is there's a, a problem. In there's a static audience, and then there's. And then there's a bunch of other people. Hangout like, is brutal. Like in terms of yeah. like the heads, like yeah. in terms of people who really get all the layers of of the scene that we're part of. Yeah. Like there's a there's a pretty small and static group of people. They're not growing fast enough. Let's talk music. Yeah. Oh so yeah, we, we gotta we, do that. Yeah, we talked about um, we talked about how uh, the standard narrative in dance music has always been whitewashed. So let's talk about Autoker. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some marginalized groups. I mean, the Autecker tapes they're fucking are unfucking believably good. Like just it's one of those I like I just I wasn't ready when I when I listened to them. I I wasn't either. I like I was like, "Oh, cool, you know." Yeah, right. That was kind of my I was like, "Yeah, all right. I'm going to listen to this like I put it on and then like <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, fuck. Oh, hold on. I need to not <laughs> Yeah. Whatever like, I, I was doing, like, I yeah. need to change what I where my mental frame is." 100%. Yeah. Um, um they're incredible. My uh I mean, if you haven't heard them and they're free, so just Right. They're free. Hi. Um, 
high definition downloads. So yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it's just like in that fucking amazing. It's the Autiker record I really want. It, it, yeah, it, I mean, no, I I love every Autiker record. I I don't I don't give a shit what they do. Um, I like that everything they do is different. Um, but it's like it is that sort of missing link Autiker record between yeah the sort of really janky hip hop kind of weird whatever like, like of the, the break Lego beat feet. hardcore mm-hmm. yeah like the like the really early rave stuff yeah yeah and the more polished inkunabula sound I mean, what I love about those tapes is like how many Incunabula and Amber tracks you can hear on them. Yeah, but definitely. They're like all, little... but they're raved the fuck out. They're like, this is like dance music. Like this is, this is like they're just in full on dance floor killer mode. It's also, I mean, it's a very reduced. It's a super like minimal Autiker record. Like in terms of what the gear mean? used, in terms of oh, like, oh. I mean, you can hear like there's all like every track, all the drums are a six oh six. Yeah, yeah, that's and it. Then, you yeah, know, there's like SH one hundred one all over that thing. Like, exactly. Yeah, so much like, SH one hundred one. Like, it's just a couple pieces of gear. There's probably an R eight in there, yeah. and like, that's it. You know, I mean, um, I mean that 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 to me just speaks to the fact that these guys are like actual fucking geniuses. That they can do this shit with just a simple kit. I mean, you know, it's certainly my aesthetic, and I think most of our aesthetics is that we we kind of gravitate towards simple, simplistic sort of setup, Mm -hmm. sort of reduced things. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's also for me, and this is my hot take of the week, but... Incunabula is my least favorite Autiker album. Wow. And um and I don't know this it, this just takes a lot of like the things that I like about Incunabula. I mean you can hear like a lot of like bass cadet uh yep. sounds on here and bass cadet like, I fucking love. Um it's you know like Christelle. <laughs> Lots of Christelle on 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 the tapes. Yeah, on the end of side A. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Um and it's just like it, it it takes a lot of like the Incunabula stuff, but I don't. Yeah, like you're saying, it just kind of like sharpens it and focuses focuses it, and also um, has injects a lot of that weirdo hip hop thing that Autiker would return to and mine for most of their career, but I think is largely missing. Totally, in Incunabula. Um, on these tapes, you have like those just bad samplers like with weird down sampling shit and them just like you know 
pitching these samples all over the place and basically, you know, you can almost like see them playing an NPC or something. Mm -hmm. They probably aren't, but you know, Um, I honestly, so sorry, were you finished? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, when I listened to them, I thought I like could just see them in their studio, um, playing and like thinking about the context they were in. Cause like, I think as much as this is about like genius, what you were talking about, Chris, it is, so much about the like musical moment of the time, like, yeah, the, the, yeah. like it pulls on yeah. what was incredible about the the rave era sound right. at the time. Right. Um. The like some of the standards, you know, like there's Hoover's on there. Yep. Like there's you sure, know, but yeah, there's yeah. also like the breaks um, and all the breaks. But then yeah, just like the way that like you know melody and 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 breaks and all just all those tools were being done, but just done so effectively. I just I just see them as like it's not a like a bunch of tracks where they were trying to like break new ground and like no, I don't think sound. so at all. They it's were like just, them playing they, right. the sound of the time, and that is you know right. an incredibly like it's a it's something that's that is really beautiful and organic, and it comes through as mm-hmm. like this is something that 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 there was like a energy that's not about the individuals. There was like an energy about the the collective experience yeah. they're a part of as part of the race yeah. scene at the time. For sure, totally. yeah. they like it comes through. It's like totally. that's why they played like that. Totally, you know, it's like genius, not genius, as some people might say or whatever. Like they're they're drawing on a, like something much more collective and bigger. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Let's talk your record, Nihar. My record is actually a record that's new to me, but not new to the world. Um, I wanted to talk about this record. Um, the uh, it's well, it's a track um, by the Connection Machine called the this called the the primers might um and it's on a record called painless and um this track kind of blew me away i i i was at um stella remnant which is a really great record store in la um that just opened recently it's sort of what you know um somebody who used to work at mount analog you know it's part of the genesis of it and they have an incredible collection um has a lot of the same vibe yeah Mount Analog, right? Just like weird. It does, weird it does but it's a little bit. It's a little bit different. It's got like, its own it's, thing. It's, yeah, I think it's its own thing. Yeah, like you it seems gotta, a little more dance focused, from what I can tell. It is for sure. It's definitely more dance focused. Maybe a little bit more techno focused, um, but not like like I feel like like it's a very well curated selection. Yeah. Um, and I and I uh, picked up this record there, um, and uh, it's a reissue. Uh, it, it was just reissued on um, on Download Records. Um, but it's it was originally a CD that came in two thousand came in two thousand four. No, I thought it was earlier than that. No, no, no. no. Well, the, the, so, the album originally is from ninety three yeah. or two. Yeah, no, no. So this is the deal. So the the music was written yes. in the mid nineties, but the oh, but the right. actual CD, it was never released until two thousand four. These were tracks that were not recorded; they were unreleased in the 90s by the connection machine and then in 2004 this came out as a that's right that's right of unreleased tracks by the connection machine and this track the primers might i just thought it blew it like kind of like swept me up i'm sure you have some kind of a deep and insightful human plan that i can't understand
this hasn't happened to me for a while, but like I basically like listen to that track over and over again for like days. Um, and actually, the whole album is is beautiful and full of in- incredible things that actually I think draw on a lot of the same ideas as um, like the Attacker tapes we were just talking about, but also like even more so like the mid nineties. Um, like like that, artificial intelligence yeah, volume two, totally like the, like, the, the, like the dreamy techno, really dreamy exactly, melodic. Exactly, things getting dreamy. And like, well, yeah, the what, the the Utrex label, which Connection Machine was affiliated with, uh, yes, was definitely part of what a good friend of mine calls the Dutch dream techno movement, which uh, <laughs> draws draws exactly. obviously on on classic Detroit techno, uh, as yeah. well as like the British first wave IDM that was all yeah. happening in yeah like 92, 90, 92 to ninety four. Yeah, precisely. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the connection machine stuff fits in there. The other stuff on U tracks sometimes is a little ravier, but um, also uh, just an amazing label on the whole. Um, yeah, I mean this early, I mean, apparently early, like early Stefan Robbers. Um, yeah, you know the whole the whole Evil Loot label. Uh, yeah, there's there's, there's really a, a, an amazing Dutch scene happening there that that does not get the shine that it should. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I love how personal these songs are. They feel but, like, mm-hmm. and that's Absolutely. like in a lot of ways like when I the music that speaks to me most is very like, it feels very personal. And sometimes like I DJ that in a club and like, like I feel like that's the, like some of the stuff that like really speaks to me when it's like really personal, emotional, like, you know, and that, you know, this was a, um, you know, uh, yeah. Like you said, a, a, a Dutch, two people from Dutch duo. Yeah. A Dutch duo. Exactly. Um, from the nineties. And apparently Carl Craig was supposed to release some of these tracks in the nineties, but, um, for one reason or another, it didn't end up coming out on Planet E. They they had done another release on Planet E, and it didn't end up happening. So that's how these tracks kind of got lost. Right. Um, and now there's this reissue on vinyl, which sounds amazing. And yeah. It's like definitely worth picking up. In my oh, opinion. that's right. So the, yeah, the, the the download reissue was CD only, wasn't it? It was. So the download right. original yeah, issue yeah. was CD mm-hmm. only. Now download's gone back and um and actually and put it on vinyl. Finally. Reissued it and put it on vinyl right. exactly. And. Uh, Download music is Texas based, so it's Texas and North Carolina. Right. Um, okay. This is so crazy. I don't. Know. If you if if this story makes sense to keep on the podcast, keep it on. If not, whatever. But like, I was I picked up this record and loved it, um, and was had been listening to it over and over. And then a week later, we had Aline Marie, who's Liquid Asset, who mm. I think most of us know, play yeah. uh, here. And I was playing the record. I was like DJing the record. I was warming up. I was like practicing at home for my like set in the club where I was going to play that record. And she like was like, is this connection machine? Is this painless? And I was like, yes. And she was like, Oh, like my boyfriend put out this record. And it turns out <laughs> that he is like, yeah, JT runs JT, down low. Yeah. Exactly. JT runs about down low. I had no idea the connections. So yeah. And then yeah, yeah. Sean mentioned that, uh, JT is also Stinkworks. Yeah. yeah he's Stinkworks. Which I did exactly. not, I did not know about. Yeah, yeah. And JT's JT's amazing. Download. Really Download is the label that kind of broke Convection, right? I mean, they like yes. a lot of their releases by Convection. Like, it seems like that. Yeah, they, like the they were the label yeah. that put out the first Convection ERP. No, 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 not the first. No, that was Matrix. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. But but the 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 Convection releases that they put out were pretty pretty pivotal. Yeah, yeah, pretty pivotal. Yeah, the 12 inch was definitely one of his biggest. Okay. Um, yeah. And well, the, and the 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 LP too. The LP from like well. what 2007 or yeah. eight or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that ER and the ERP 12 inches as yeah. well was. Like yeah. Okay. Yeah. Big yeah. Deal. So those are like some really clutch 
yeah. convection ERP things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was cool. So I ended up chatting up JT about about this release, and it was like, you know, basically it seems like they had heard the Planet E record. They were like, what are these people up to now? They ended up getting in contact, and they were like, oh, well, here's some stuff we did in the 90s around when that record was put out. <laughs> and they, like, listened to it, and they were like, this stuff is beautiful. Wow. Like, and so they ended up assembling it. They had, In order to contact them, they had to post on this message board um, yeah hell yeah like that's how you do it man like electro message board you know <laughs> did, wait, did they get from, on, they, they must have gotten in touch with them through global darkness then uh i think it was i it's in that it's in that i, I forgot what the name of the message board but it wasn't global I mean, darkness I, it was another okay one. okay i know jt yeah. from global darkness yeah maybe he was on all the message boards yeah yeah, probably. We didn't even talk about message board. Culture. It was, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. That's it, a whole. And I were both, that's a whole. It was podcast, the early two thousands, so you know. Yeah. Message boards yeah. were hot. I was. Yeah. I got introduced to this music through like nineties, like text based message boards. Yeah. You know, in the. Yeah. But anyway, that, that, that's, that's a whole, a whole other, other thing. podcast episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should have the message board episode. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Should I? Uh, should I riff on Yoakum? Yoke yeah, talk about Speedy J. Uh, Speedy J is, I think, one of the most interesting artists in the techno canon because, honestly, the guy has put out such a broad swath of music that he kind of doesn't really get credit for. Like, I feel like most people these days associate Speedy J with like the loud boxer shit, which is just like total jackhammer mash your head into the wall, 137 BPM yeah, or just, music. Or just electric deluxe, big room. Right, just big, big room, yeah. big, big, massive, big, room. big. The room big could be techno. bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this room isn't big enough. <laughs> um, but he, before he was that kind of techno man, he put out this huge breadth of releases. Like his first records on Warp are amazingly weird, lush dreamy techno like we were talking about but then yeah, one of my favorites end, one of my favorites of his in his early dreamy lush techno period mm -hmm. is deorbit on plus eight. Oh yes. hell yeah he only has the 112 inch on plus eight right i think he has two okay um yeah but yeah i but have yeah, the he one was, that has saw and journey i can't remember if deorbit's on that i don't remember either but yeah I anyway mean, Back in the day, in the early 90s, he was making like beautiful, lush, ambient techno. And then the last record he did for Warp, uh, Public Enemy Number 1, it got real kind of weird and crunchy and a little bit industrial. Like, Pu it's definitely energy. Public Energy, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Is that what I said? Or no? I thought you said Public, public. Enemy Number 1. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that would be cool, too. The um, famous Speedy J record, It Takes a Nation. And after Public Energy, that was like 96 or 97, something like that, he made a couple beautiful ambient records on fax. Well, I might, I might be getting the timeline wrong. But anyway, in, two, in uh, 2000, he put out a record called A Shocking Hobby on uh, Mute... Or so Nova, Nova, Mute. Nova Mute. I don't. Yeah. Are those different? What's the difference there? Nova, Nova Mute was Mute's like techno label. Techno, techno yeah. child. Right. Okay. right. The Mute's child. Mute's child. Yeah. Uh, and a shocking hobby is I'm gonna go ahead and say like basically one of the best industrial records ever made. It's it's honestly heavier than like 
than a real than a than a really heavy thing to quote strap a young lad. Um, it it just it's the crunchiest, deepest, rawest fucking techno record you'll ever hear. It doesn't sound anything like techno at all. It has like weird hip hop influences all over it. And the track that that just gets me is called Drill. that's exactly what it does like it it just does what it says on the tin and it's like eight and a half minutes long and it's just this like slow burning 100 bpm like kind of weird half step hip-hop rhythm with this sound that sounds like you're digging into the center of the earth and it's fucking sick and more people need to know about a shocking hobby because it's shockingly good it's a it, it's a it's a crazy crazy good record. Uh, that's yeah, one that I I got when it came out, and I I try to re- revisit every uh, every three four years. And totally, it always, yeah, yeah. It, it always sounds fresh. It always sounds it, unique. It, exactly. It always sounds fresh. And like mm. at the time that it came out, I was listening to a lot of rhythmic noise, quote unquote, air quote stuff, like imminent starvation and all that. And that shit was fucking fantastic. And it blew my head wide open but this speedy j record is it hits hits even harder than, uh, than I, it, 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 exactly <laughs> it, it hits it harder totally than does. anything on Anzen. and it just gotten like obviously those were that they were just like worlds apart like those worlds didn't talk to each other but the the, the speedy j record uh for me yeah because it, it it does have this like heavy kind of hip-hop industrial hip-hop kind of thing um it seemed like he was inspired by like the mill plateau um uh, Electric Ladyland compilations, yeah, and right. and and in part the you know the kind of um, what was then uh, called Ilbient, the scene in New York, Ilbient, right, 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 um, and like yeah, but but Speedy Jay's take too. on it is so much, it's just so much heavier. It's so much heavier. Yeah. It's so much heavier. Um, yeah, that that record is honestly like one of the heaviest records I've, I've ever heard. And it's, it really it stands alone special. in in yeah. his catalog, so you should listen to it. Hell yeah, Sean. Do um, we really want to talk about the yeah, Mike Rutherford track that I keep we listening have to? Because it's to. terrible. The song is te- <laughs> this song is terrible. Listeners, we need to pass our <laughs> this stupid fucking song onto you. The song that's been stuck in my head. Couldn't get arrested, couldn't get arrested. You keep on 
This slaps. Sorry, it does. It does. See? Sick. This is sick. I love. It's like I love the cover. The cover is so good. Oh my god! (laughs) World Sumo Championship or whatever. (laughs) But I mean, it's great. I mean, (laughs) I'm I'm going to go ahead and say that that song sounds like what I imagine a jockstrap from 1983 smells like. Like, if I had to think of the most butt rock, butt rock song of all time, that might be it. That song in my in my brain, it just flashes images from uh, movies like White Lightning and Gator. You know, just all. <coughs> yeah. What is that? Just, what, what is that? Those are some uh, classic Burt Reynolds. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, sure. It's definitely yeah. definitely Burt Reynolds. It's just it's not Burt good Reynolds movies. Vibe. Terrible movies. Right. I mean, I think it slaps. I think it's like funky as hell. I don't know how they did it. It's it, it, it's it, it, that's the thing is like the song is just objectively bad. Like there's nothing good about it. But then you listen to <laughs> yes. it and you're like and you're like huh. oh yeah. And then I I mean I I I discovered as I discover like 25 percent of all the music I listen to in a Baldelli mix. <laughs> in a Baldelli uh, that was in a Baldelli <laughs> mix. God. It was in a Baldelli mix. Sense. And Makes I was sense, like, what actually. the hell is this? What the fuck is this? <laughs> this is so stupid. And I kept listening to it, and then I kept listening to it, and it's been stuck in my head for like a week and a half straight. Wow. It, it couldn't get arrested. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, he, it's, he just repeats himself. Get couldn't arrested. get arrested. There's no hook. It's like, There's yeah. no hook. It's, it's painfully <laughs> white. The chorus, the chorus is just... Durr, durr. <laughs> Like it's it's a, it's almost not a song. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 impressive almost, and it's, and it's yeah in its own right. It, it, but it but it but it works against all odds. And like the Funhouse Mirror cover, what the fuck is going on? What what, what is that? The real cover? That is the real cover. Yes. Mike Rutherford. Did you buy a copy already? I have one coming. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Just want to make sure we have every all our ducks in the row for the base camp beta night. It's gonna be on repeat. Um, yeah, I guess I guess the the, the track really is the uh, it's it, it's like Hunter Biden. It's Hunter Biden, man. This track is yeah. This is is that just, Joe Biden's son? Yeah, yeah. Um, Chris was telling us about about Hunter Biden earlier, but uh, there was a there was a big article about him in the New Yorker. Um, ah, he's. He he can't get arrested. Can't, no, yeah. <coughs> he's he's yeah. The, the the super white guy who does everything wrong and still can't right. get in just trouble. Can't get arrested. Yeah. And, can't that's, and that's, that's it. That's and it. that's this song. Yeah, yeah. Somehow still making millions, even though he can't do a single thing right. <laughs> and, but we love those characters, don't we? Sure. I guess I we mean, have to. Provided, you know, it, it, the fact that he admits he couldn't get arrested. I mean, this is not like a happy song. <laughs> he's not really celebrating it. He's just kind of like noticing it. I know. I think he's. Well, yeah, I, I guess I'm not really sure he's what, kind the, of like, he's what in, the emotional uh, tenor is there. Right, My lyrics, as far as I can tell, are about like a, a kind of slightly rebellious guy 
who all of his friends they you know they're 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 all partying and doing drugs and he's selling drugs presumably and all of his friends go off and be yuppies and move to the suburbs but he still dr- sells drugs and, and just can't get arrested so uh, it's yeah like, he's, I, he's he's always hawking like a it around statement of privilege it's just like yeah I, yeah uh, yeah yeah i am so privileged yeah look at me and you know more power to him. He's very honest about it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't get arrested. Like they arrested uh, everybody else. I don't know what it is right, about but me. I don't know. Yeah, that, that just the, that sh- shields me from this. Yeah, he looks like a member of the Bee Gees. Yes, with like yeah, a, like specifically. Well, he was a member yeah. of Genesis. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. This this song sounds like. But I, I don't. I don't. Th- I don't think it's. I don't think it's autobiographical. I assume this is about like. I do assume it's about a real person he knew, though. Okay. I mean, no. The song the, the, sounds the like the singing of the song sounds so like in line. Like everything it sounds, fits. Yeah, like I mean the the, the cover and everything. It really right. Puts it does. Together a yes. Specific picture. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, this like, song was probably played at Brett Kavanaugh's. <laughs> like yeah yeah beach yeah. like beach so, house parties for or sure. whatever. Definitely. It's actually like, yeah, it's a very 2019. After Budweiser number 47, it's time to put on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Mike Excuse Rutherford me, so. classic. Right. <laughs> right. Good right. Yeah, good job. Ah, the good old boys. Yeah. It's kind well, of, on that note. It? Yeah. It's Yacht yeah, got, Funk. Yacht Funk. Yacht Funk. That's what I'm yacht say. Funk. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's cursed. <laughs> <laughs> that is That's the genre. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, let's wrap this shit up. Well, I know what I know what uh, I know what genre we're tagging this episode on SoundCloud. <laughs> I got yeah. that sorted. That's done. Yacht funk. True. Uh, All do you right. guys want to do an outro? Sure. Sure. Should I go ahead? Yeah. You want to go you, ahead? No, you do it. I'm taking a back seat on this one. Yeah, I'm letting Chris everyone just, else. I'm giving everyone the keys. <laughs> I've never listened so, this far into an episode. Yeah. So I don't know what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Few people do. <laughs> You've been listening to Basecamp Beta, brought to you from Control. Uh, we've uh, had Nihar on uh, on the guest slot today. It was great talking. Um, Shout out to our lovely patrons on patreon.com slash beta. You can support us. We say it every week, but we actually, we did make steps yes. today to uh, right. having things. So yeah, to 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 the loyal patrons, we, we, we'll we be sending a newsletter out uh, hopefully a week, within the week. Uh, well, yeah, we'll I mean, hopefully, yeah, I mean. We'll be sending out a newsletter with some uh, some some exciting updates, and uh, you know, you 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 got some treats coming your way. So, but yeah, as if the podcast isn't treat enough, it it isn't. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, <I mean. laughs> all all you really get from this podcast is a Mike Rutherford song stuck in your head at the end of yeah. the day. So true, you know what? Yeah. <clears throat> Jokes on you, that's, really. That's that's like a negative payout, actually. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so shaving years off of your life. <laughs> yeah. All right. So tune in next right. week. Yeah. See more Mike far, Rutherford. More Mike. See how yeah. low we can go. Yeah. More, more, more. 
fringe members of Genesis B-side uh, <laughs> garbage tracks. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right. Yeah. All right, y'all. 